my job, I want to set expectations and educate and then let them come to their own decision. I don't want to be that pushy, forceful agent that's like, you have to buy now, you know, rates are going to go up or, you know, I don't want to put that fear into people. I want to educate them on what's the market like, what, you know, what could we maybe expect in the future. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui with a quick commercial break with one of our newest sponsors. I'm super excited to be partnering with these guys. Does 15 to 20% ROI investing in turnkey rentals sound attractive? Did you know you can use the Burr strategy with new construction that has immediate equity already? You guys have heard me talk about stuff like this. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence out of state. If single family, multifamily, new build, and syndication opportunities across multiple markets that maximize cash flow, appreciation, and equity. Renter Retirement assists investors in learning how to build a comprehensive business plan with the best investment and tax strategies to achieve financial freedom through real estate investing. There's no excuse not to get started in real estate investing when you have the right team and systems in place. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or call one 800 311-6781. That's 800-311-6781 to learn about how you can get started investing in some of the best cash flow markets today. You know, and if you guys want to learn more about Zach, episode 1025, we dig in for a good 45 minute interview where he tells you the secrets to investing in real estate out of state. And him and I shared a lot of ideas about what works and what doesn't. You'll get to hear a lot about his company and his business. You know, if you're an agent from out of state and you've got referrals looking for stuff, they work with other agents on a referral basis. And we've talked so much since COVID hit that everybody needs to have a backup plan, right? Every one of you agents needs to have a backup plan. You should all be investing in real estate. And if you're having trouble finding the time and the team to do it, maybe something like rent to retirement is the solution for you. So thank you for listening. Go check them out. Now back to the rest of our podcast. Hey, Real Estate Rockstars, this is Stephanie Heiser, your guest host today, and I am interviewing Emily Kazmarek from Chicago. She is a rock star agent and was recently named a 30 under 30 on Realtor Magazine, and we are so excited to see what tips and tricks and insights she has for us today. Hey, Emily, thanks for being here. Hi. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I, uh, I've actually been listening to this podcast for a while now, so it's really exciting that I finally get to, you know, be a guest and share, share my insight and my story. That's so fun. When I was first interviewed on the podcast, I was obsessive. Like I loved listening to real estate rock stars and then to be interviewed was I feel like the peak of everything in my life. And it was so much fun. And the connections I made after my episode aired was amazing. And then 
somehow my episode was the most downloaded in 2021 and led wow. to me. Yeah, it was, I found out with everyone else when Aaron released the episode of the top 10. I was like, wait, I think he just said my name. What? <laughs> it was so unreal. Oh, man, that's amazing. Yeah, it was so much fun. And then now um, we're having the mastermind in May. And I just love our community of real estate rock stars. Do you have any like favorite episodes that stand out in your mind? Gosh, I don't, I don't think there's like a single episode that really stands out. Um, I do, I do love the mix of, um, getting like past 30 under 30 winners on it. And then like some market updates. And I do remember your interview as well, which was really good. Um, so I, I don't know. It's just like, I love that, you know, it's always different content and it's, uh, yeah, it's just something I always turn on in my car when I'm driving to showings and uh, closings and everything. So all I mean, all together, it's just really, really great content. Sweet. So you know all that's coming at you. So tell us how and when and why you got into real estate and what your first year was like. Yeah. So let's go back to, let's see, like five years ago, um, I was working a corporate job in uh, downtown Chicago and um, I was in my mid twenties and I was just like, you know what, like a couple years out of college, I just, I wasn't feeling like I was doing what I was set out to do, like what I could do with, um, you know, with my time, with my, I just was always looking for more. So I was like, I was at my job and I was really looking like, all right, I want to get promoted. I want to do this. So I worked really hard and I realized, you know, the, the harder that I worked, it wasn't necessarily like paying off. And I was like, you know what? Like I really loved my job and I loved the people, but it was like, all right, I have to take matters in my own hands. If I, if I'm going to be that person, that's impatient and, you know, always, always wanting the next thing. So, um, and, and I had, uh, come from a family of, uh, realtors. So my three out of the four, my grandparents were, uh, realtors, uh, neither of my parents were, which was kind of funny, but, um, it was just something that I, I had always thought about in the back of my mind. And I finally, you know, one day, realized like, I'm not really happy with what I'm doing. So I I have to take a risk and I am the most like risk averse person. So like for me signing up for the, the real estate, um, class, uh, and the, you know, taking the test was a really big risk for me. And, you know, I, I got into it, started doing a lot of rentals. I loved it. Um, and it came to a point where I had like three under contract and I was still working my, you know, 40 hour a week corporate job. And I was like, all right, well, I can't be like taking all these calls during work from attorneys and, you know, going to inspections like while I'm working. So, um, I had to make a decision and I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to do this real estate thing. And I ended up leaving my corporate job a couple of months later. And I stayed on as like a consultant, kind of bridged the gap between that and real estate. And then, you know, eventually transitioned into real estate full time. And in your first year, how many transactions did you do? My first year, I did nine transactions. I think it was about 3 million, maybe a little bit less. 
I wasn't really expecting too much. I mean, I did about like, you know, a handful of rentals, probably 10, 15 rentals also. So I was doing a fair amount of rentals just to get my feet wet in real estate. But yeah, I, you know, I, I definitely knew what to expect. Um, so I was happy with that and, and knew that That's I just had to keep first year. Yeah. Yeah. I just knew I had to keep pushing myself to get better, but, um, I'd say, you know, first year I was pretty happy with, uh, with what I did. Yeah, absolutely. And that was five years ago. That was about four years ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, so you were, you received a 30 under 30 feature in the realtor magazine and you've been in real estate for like not three very and a half long. years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so amazing. <laughs> so what led you to think about being 30 under 30 and what was that whole process like? So I guess, you know, that kind of, uh, started, I mean, so when I got into real estate, I knew I needed like a mentor and I, you know, I had talked a little bit with, uh, one of my best friends cousins and she kind of like was a, was a good mentor to have. And she brought me into her, the brokerage she was at that her and her mom were at, and they were really great resources. And, but also there was another, uh, agent at a different office that um, I had seen something on social media and she she was being nominated for the 30 under 30. This was like shortly after uh, maybe like within the first year that I got into real estate and I reached out to her and I said, hey, would you want to meet up for coffee? And she was like, of course, we met up and she was like the best. She was the most helpful. Like I was like, I, I had, I was like starstruck. I was like, oh my God, she's like, she's amazing. She's like, and, you know, she was giving me all this great insight and she, it, she genuinely wanted to help me. And I was genuinely interested in learning and getting more involved in, um, like, it, you know, real estate and just in general. And she was involved at the local level of, a of the local realtor organization. And she brought me into the YPN committee. So I joined that and this year I'm actually the the vice chair and next year I'll be the chair of our local YPN. Um, so that's been really exciting. And I think everything since then just kind of spiraled. It was, it was me putting myself sometimes in uncomfortable situations to push my, you know, boundaries a little bit and get myself out there um, within the realtor community and also with my own sphere. So like doing a lot of things on social media. Um, so I think it really, you know, what got me from the start to, to 30 under 30 was, you know, just making myself uncomfortable and doing a lot of things, trying a lot of things and seeing what, what works and what, um, you know, I was happy doing. And how many transactions did you do last year? Uh, so last year was my third full year in the business. And last year I did 29 trans transactions. Wow. And how many do you think you'll do this year? That's, uh, I'm hoping to do around the same. So this year for me is kind of like a rebuild year. Also combined with the fact that this is just like a crazy market and I'm primarily a buyer's agent. So, um, you know, I, I do like, I'd say 
Last year I was 75, 25 buyers to sellers. This year I'll probably do more like 60, 40 because I do have some more, some more listings, which is great. Um, but it's definitely harder to get buyers under contract right now. So it's been a lot of work with, um, you know, not as much instant, you know, results, but yeah, I'm hoping to potentially hire someone on as a buyer's agent this year. So I'm kind of just trying to maintain my, you know, my sales, you know, my volume, and then hopefully next year I'll, I'll build it up a lot. That is a really good point. I love how you put that because on these podcasts and shows, we get asked a lot, what our numbers are, what our volume was, how many transactions we did, but there are years that are so important to not scale. I mean, every year, it's just not sustainable to keep doubling your numbers by any means. Right. And you have to make the correct hire. You have to get your automations in place. You have to get your CRM and your systems and everything solid before you take the next step if you want to do it and salvage some of your sanity all at the same time. Now, I didn't do it that way. I just like the floodgates opened and I started (laughs) drowning from day one because of the market and because of where I lived and because of converting online leads really well. But you are just doing everything like step by step and maintaining a healthy work-life balance, it seems. Well, we're trying, but (laughs) it's hard. It's tough in this market. I was just telling someone, I am just so tired. Like, Like, I think it's just like months of, you know, this crazy market kind of uh, building up to now. Um, But yeah, like to your point, um, going from the year before last year to last year, I almost tripled my volume. So, you know, now I'm kind of realizing like I could do that again, or I could, you know, I could strive to, to do a lot more, but I realized my systems weren't in place. And I, I, I got to a point last year where I was like, Oh my God, like I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm tired. I'm, you know, I need to, I need to look at how to improve my business and how to, you know, make the most, sense out of the time that I have and really, uh, really think more strategically about how I want to move forward. So that's kind of where I came to the point where, okay, I need to like replicate myself. Cause I, I have a pretty w- wide area that I, um, that I drive to for, for buyers. So, um, I need to be able to have someone else, uh, fill in for me when I'm going from, you know, the city to the outskirts of the suburbs, you know, it's not always feasible to do that every day. Definitely not. So what has been a system that has been the most helpful for you to work smarter, not harder? I've realized that. So in the beginning, I did a lot of like dabbling and trying different things. You know, in the beginning, I was calling some expireds and Fizbos, which now there there aren't as many expired hard to convert. So, um, I did get, I think I did get one, but I mean, it's just like, you put a lot of effort into that and then, um, you don't always see it pay off. So my, uh, my strategy was to really focus in on one thing and do it really well. So having a system and a process for, uh, my first time buyer workshop that me and a lender, um, host once a month, 
Um, just being able to replicate that process every month has been really great because I'm able to 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 get people in um, and then start you know nurturing them and you know prospecting them. Um, you know, it's, it's a good way to build trust too with clients. So I found that to be, um, something that was successful, but it did take a lot of, you know, setting up all the systems to get that to work between zoom Eventbrite, you know, marketing it through Facebook and Instagram. And, um, yeah, that's, that's definitely something that I didn't realize it was going to take as long and as much effort as it did but in the end I'm glad I spent that time and a lot of it was like during the beginning of COVID which you know we weren't necessarily allowed to go out and sell and you know people were kind of scared so I just sat in my office every day like you know trying to develop this uh this process and the strategy and all the content that goes along with that so your first time buyer seminars are all online yeah so that's the funny thing initially when I first started thinking about doing these buyer seminars, I wanted them to be in person. I wanted it to be like a wine event at like a winery and like, you know, do like a wine tasting, like kind of like build that small business up, but also, you know, have the home buyer workshop aspect incorporated with it. Um, But then all of a sudden COVID hits and I'm like, okay, we need to reposition this. How can I still do this? You know, obviously it's to take it online. Um, And yeah, we started doing them about a year, almost, wait, almost two years ago now. Wow, that's crazy. But um, yeah, the first few were pretty successful. And then I noticed a little bit of drop off. And I think that's where most people may get discouraged. Um, But I think the important thing is just staying consistent. So even those months that we were getting just a handful of people, we were like, all right, this is still worth it. If we get one buyer out of this, great. That was worth our time. And then it just started building up from there. So that's something that we've just been really consistent with. And do you partner with the same lender for all of your seminars? Yes, I do. I've, I've found that that makes it the easiest and, you know, it, you know, we're on the same schedule and, you know, you really have to have full trust in that lender because you are, you know, you're going all in on it. But, um, you know, he, he's been a great business partner to work with and uh, he always does a really good job for my clients. So, yeah, I couldn't be happier with, uh, you know, how the, the workshops have been going and his uh, partnership. That's great. And that attracts a lot of buyers and you're trying to pivot and be more focused on sellers. What do you do to attract sellers? Um, Honestly, I don't do too much to attract sellers right now. It's, and I plan to eventually right now. I'm not like, I'm not like, I live in a certain area, but I don't know if I'm going to end up here long-term. So I don't want to start doing all this farming and um, prospecting in this area necessarily. But what I've realized is a lot of my seller clients are like referrals from past clients or sphere or um, friends and family of sphere of my sphere. So that's where I really focus a lot of my time and effort is maintaining those relationships. And, um, you know, it's, it's been, it's been great. I have gotten some uh, from like open houses, like I had a listing recently, 
the the sellers were people that I met from my gym and these, this couple walks in and they were not necessarily looking at a house, but they were kind of interviewing agents to see who they would want to sell uh, their house. So I got to talking with them and now I'm listing their house. Uh, actually we're tomorrow. So, you know, it's just, it's just building relationships with people. So that's what I focus on is the people that I already know well. And, um, you know, those people that can speak to my, uh, my character and my knowledge. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Bucistegui and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. And I know, I know you guys would much rather listen to the content and not the ads and not the sponsors, but this is one that I'm actually super, super excited with. You know, so many of the realtors that we interview on the show, they talk about how much systems are important and how much follow-up is important. And I'm really, really excited about our new sponsor. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time. And when they reached out to me, I said, yes, we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is Follow Up Boss. You know, on an interview last week with agent Mark McGuire, I asked him what his favorite software and what his favorite system was. And he said it was Follow Up Boss. And then he went on for another three or four minutes to talk about why Follow Up Boss was the best CRM he uses. So there's a lot of superstars out, out there that use Follow Up Boss. Some of the stats they gave me, Robert Slack, 1.5 billion team in Florida, number one in the US. He uses Follow Up Boss to get a 400% ROI on its massive paid lead spend. Deborah Beagle, co-owner of the Ashton Group in Nashville, uses Follow Up Boss to guarantee the agents who join her team get two homes under contract in the first 90 days. That's a big guarantee for new agents. Barry Jenkins of the, your friends in real estate uses Follow Up Boss to automate everything so his team can produce 200 million on 25 hour work weeks. All right, so here's an offer. You guys are gonna get this special for being Real Estate Rockstars listeners. Now I've, I've used Follow Up Boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing, and what do, what do you know, best name ever, Follow Up. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, you get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com forward slash rockstars. So again, followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial, and check it out. Especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet, this will be a great one for you to start with. All right, everybody, thanks again. Now back to our show. That's awesome. So what is the market like where you are? Are you guys getting offers that are 10% over asking, 50% over asking? I've experienced that in the Joshua Tree market, especially. But um, in my other market, offers are maybe 5 to 10% over asking. So what does it look like in Chicago? So where I'm at in, in the suburbs, I would say it's pretty much everything's going for above asking. And we did see like, there was one deal I had where we, I was one of 31 offers and that one was originally listed around 250 and went for like a little over 20,000 above list price. So that's pretty common. Um, now I think it's settling down a little bit just with interest rates going up and 
uh, buyers having to reevaluate, uh, okay, like what is my budget now? Um, if they've still, if they're still looking since, you know, a couple months ago, but yeah, it's, it's still, it's still competitive out there. I would say, um, maybe not as much so. And I, I have started seeing some more listings pop up, which is good. We need that. We need that inventory. Um, so I'm hoping it calms down a little bit so that buyers that have been looking for the past couple months have a chance to, you know, to get something and not feel like they're like severely overpaying for it. Yeah. Are you having appraisal gaps? Do you get offers accepted that have the appraisal contingency or do people have to like waive everything and give their left kidney and their first kid to get offers accepted or what tips and tricks do you use to get accepted? So I would say it's, it depends. Um, I have had some that have gotten accepted without an appraisal gap, but there, I mean, I would say primarily um, what I've experienced is, you know, going in as is that's pretty much I'm telling buyers they pretty much have to do that. Now, I don't know if that's going to stay the same um, if we start seeing some more inventory and the market starts leveling a little bit. Um, but appraisal gap waivers, yeah, I definitely um, have had buyers do that. Um, and it's really important to ensure that they understand what that means. Um, so that's why I really stress that uh, that partnership with my lender, um, like that that client that was, uh, that beat out the 30 other offers on that one, uh, property. We, we were on the phone, uh, my lender, myself and the clients were on the phone on a Sunday night at like 11 PM, like talking over different scenarios and really, cause my, my job, I work mostly with first time buyers. So I really, you know, I stress the importance of educating them and, you know, really ensuring that they understand what this process is. And now with the market being the way it is, it's a little more nuanced and complicated, but you still have to do your job as an agent. You still have to ensure that they understand everything that's going on. So we ended up, you know, getting it, I think, because we were able to help them, you know, in that moment when it mattered. So yeah, that was a situation where we had to to put an appraisal gap waiver, but it did appraise. I'm not seeing too many issues with appraisals. Um, but again, you know, I have heard of some, so, uh, I think it just depends on the area and the appraisal, the appraiser. Yeah, for sure. And you could have three different appraisers at one property and get three different numbers. So I try to educate my clients that like, if, especially in the desert, we don't have a lot of subdivisions and neighborhoods. So it's really hard to comp. And then we have like a 900 square foot house that will sell for $500,000 because it's super Instagrammable and very uh, high priced on Airbnb. And they're selling it basically as a business. And then I'll have someone with an old outdated 1500 square foot traditional home it's like, well, if they got 500, I should get a million. Mm -hmm. And I just try to explain like that house is more of a business, even though appraisals don't, of course, evaluate them that way. But 
it's just not the same. Like someone will have to buy your house and renovate it and maybe they'll live in it and they have to be able to afford that mortgage. But if they're buying a house that's a short-term rental, they don't have to afford the mortgage necessarily because someone else is going to be paying it and they're going to be profiting off of it. So right. do you guys have short-term rentals going on out there or are you further out in the suburbs to where short-term rentals aren't a big deal? Yeah, I don't think that we don't, I don't do a lot of short-term rentals. Um, I could see that main being maybe a bigger deal when, so there was a racetrack that, um, that just sold. Uh, and apparently the, the Chicago bears are going to move out to the suburbs now, which is really close to where I'm at currently. And I could see that playing a bigger role in, you know, once they're, you know, once they've built the, the stadium and everything, if that's still, um, going to plan. I could see that being a bigger market here, but for now it's, you know, I don't deal with any short-term rentals. That makes life so much easier when your client is a specific type and you can really focus your marketing and your systems on them and not have to juggle first-time home buyers and investors and seasoned investors versus new investors they're all different beasts. So I think it's really brilliant that you focus on your desired clientele and build Mm -hmm. everything around what that person would need, like your seminars and your education and having your lender that is willing to have three-way phone calls with you. What else makes a good lender? How I think it's hard for buyers and new agents to understand the importance of having a good lender. Lenders Mm -hmm. can like make or break the whole transaction and um, people that get pre-approval letters, well, pre-qualification letters from like clicking five buttons on a website, think they're fully qualified. And then another, a local lender who understands the market and the appraisals and the systems and can do a little more verification of income and debt to income ratios is great. But what else can make a lender stand out? I, I think a lender needs to be similar to an agent where they're in more involved in the process. They, you know, every time I I go out with clients that are you know, the clients are working with uh, that specific lender. Um, I'll text him and say, hey, we're going out to these uh, properties. Um, and then right after I know if a client really, you know, is interested in one of the the properties, I'll send it over to them and they'll run the numbers. And then, you know, I'll we'll put it in an email so that the client can maybe ask questions. Like if I put down 10% versus 15 versus 20, what would the payments be? He'll spit that out, send it right back. Um, he's just very attentive. Um, and always, you know, answering things as quickly as he can, even on weekends, you know, it, uh, a lender's job is similar to an agent's where you kind of have to be on the clock, um, 24, seven, 365. So, um, having a lender that understands that and, you know, I'm able to text them on a Sunday night and they're able to, to give me a pre-approval right away is so important because if you can't, I mean, a pre-approval is part of the the offer. So if you don't get that from your lender, you could be missing out 
on a property for your client. So, and also just having that consultative role. So uh, my lender and I, every time after someone's interested in buying, they'll, they'll fill out the application. Us three will get on a call together, a Zoom call, and we will uh, go through all the numbers with them and we'll answer all their questions when it's when it comes to like their finances and I kind of just sit in and you know I'm there as, as the real estate resource just in case anything comes up that they want to know but um it's it's just you know we want to be sure that they understand and they're comfortable with the whole process um just because you know it's 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 the worst thing to have a client who just, you know, they don't trust you completely because they don't completely understand what they're going through. So I've always found that after those meetings, like my clients are like, oh, I could take a sigh, you know, a a deep breath. Like I feel so much better actually going through the numbers because I think that's what a lot of, what trips up a lot of people. Yeah, that is really important that you educate your buyers beforehand and spend so much time before their offer is even accepted instead of educating them after the offer is accepted because especially with interest rates rising, all those numbers can be a shock. So it's important to educate them from the beginning before even starting the process so that they are empowered with the knowledge and then I imagine that keeps your offers from, well, your escrows from falling out when the buyer's like, oh my gosh, I can't afford this, or this is too stressful. So you alleviate a lot of the stress before they get into the really stressful part of having their offer accepted. Right. Yeah. And I think it's important too, in this market to really understand what buyers are motivated enough to compete in a this competitive marketplace. Um, Cause sometimes people will sit through a, a webinar, you know, a workshop or we'll, we'll start talking with them and they realize, Ooh, I don't know, like if this is the right time for me to buy and they kind of realize it on their own, they might want to save up some more money. They might, you know, they might have like a, a promotion coming in their near future and they want to get approved for more. That's great. You know, we're always here when you're ready, but our job right now is to, give you that information. Um, and, you know, obviously we want to make the most of our time so that we're working with the people that are, you know, I'm ready to buy hundred percent, you know, so we can focus our time on those people and not spend so much time showing clients that maybe aren't even ready to, to commit and end up, you know, having it fall apart when it's under escrow, like you mentioned, Um, so I, you know, I think it's that education piece prior to even going out to look at properties is so, so important, especially in a market like this. Yeah, definitely. You don't want a client falling in love with a house and then they just don't stand a chance at the offer at all. And then you just wasted your time. You wasted their time. So that's a really, really smart point to get all of your education out, like be very preemptive in your strikes. So that way you save time later. And when you're, you know, spending that time and they may come back to you later when they are more prepared because they have that education versus going through the heartache of having your offer accepted, then feeling overwhelmed and stressed out 
and getting out of home buying altogether, they're, I would assume, less likely to come back to you and remember mm-hmm. you because they were just so overwhelmed with the negatives of the experience. Yep. yep. My job, I want to set expectations and educate and then let them come to their own decision. I don't want to be that pushy, forceful agent that's like, you have to buy now, you know, rates are going to go up or, you know, I don't want to put that fear into people. I want to educate them on what's the market like, what, you know, what could we maybe expect in the future? Um, I mean, my lender and I also go through scenarios of like, what, what's the cost of waiting, um, which is important for them to know, but they also know their own situation and their timelines. So sometimes, you know, it's, it's good to know what, you know, waiting, could cost you, but at the same time, it just might not be the right time for them right now. And that's okay. You know, I found that that's the best way to make for happy clients and then, you know, educate them now. And, you know, maybe they have to rent for another year, but if they're happy with um, my service, they'll come back in a year. They'll come back in six months and say, Hey, I'm ready to start looking again. And that's the whole goal is to, you know, just establish that trust with people and be that real estate advisor so that, you know, even down the road, you get people coming back and um, they're happy with your service. Yeah, it seems like you've got that all down and all of your repeat business and your referrals, just your business is growing. And it's true, it really snowballs once your business gets traction then it picks up really quickly. So I love that you're being mindful and taking steps to scale in a way that will be great for your business and great for yourself. Yeah, exactly. And I think for those agents out there that are maybe in their first or second year, they're just getting started. um, Don't feel defeated. um, Because for me, like my first two years were pretty, pretty stagnant, but then, um, I would say in the third year, it snowballed. And I think this year, you know, it's a tough year, but I think it's still, you know, I'm, I'm getting like a lot of leads and referrals and, you know, and it's, it's a tough market, but I think um, once it levels out a bit more then you know, it's going to keep snowballing. And, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful that that's, you know, that's how I'm, you know, treating this business and, you know, it, it will pay off. It's, you just have to be patient. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Is there anything you want to end off with before you tell our listeners where to find you? No, not necessarily. I mean, I think everybody who's listening to this, like great job for getting out there and educating yourselves, you know, is, you know, whether you're in the real estate uh, profession or um, in the industry, or, or even if you're not, um, it's just, it's, it's good to, to continue to learn. And that's always something that I strive to do is just to keep an open mind and keep listening to other people, their experiences. And, you know, if, they have tips and tricks. It's, it's good to take that um, with a grain of salt. So if there's anything, um, you know, you want to reach out to me about, like, definitely, um, I'd be happy to, to help or chat. Awesome. So where can they find you? They can find me, I would say Instagram is probably the best for me. My Instagram handle is Emily Jane, E-M-I-L-Y-J-A-N-E underscore real estate. Um, my last name's confusing, so I don't even try to incorporate that into my social media. I just use my first and middle name. So yeah, you can find me on Instagram or um, 
yeah. And from there you can, you know, I have a link tree that links out to my, my website and all of that good stuff. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time and congrats on being 30 under 30. That's so amazing. And thank, thank you. you. Thanks, Real Estate Rockstar listeners. We will see you next time. All right, Real Estate Rockstars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents, and we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate how to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.